My name is Jimmy Purdy, shop owner, master tech, transmission builder, and the host of the Gearbox Podcast. Here I talk with new and seasoned shop owners as well as industry professionals about day-to-day operations within their own shops and all the failures and successes that come along the way. From what grinds your gears to having to shift gears in the automotive industry, this is the Gearbox Podcast. And there it is, finally. Um, Half the battle's getting here. percent <laughs> of the battle. Good Lord. That's all of it. <laughs> I don't understand it at all. Johnny, yeah, I just don't understand this P4 Zoom. Yeah. The interface between all these mics and using USB. Or the, I don't know. Well, you're, you're learning a lot about this stuff now. <laughs> yeah, I've got this Focusrite set up and it's, uh, I have no idea what it does. I got it hooked up for me. As long as you got someone to do it for you, I mean that makes that makes that makes life pretty easy, huh? That's a perk of uh, being with an IT guy. It's definitely yeah, a, a good perk. <laughs> I'm a car girl, not a computer guy. <laughs> so cars, that's what we're here for, I guess. Uh, I'll let you give yourself an introduction. Uh, well, my name's Jessa, and I'm like super into cars. I have been as long as I can remember, and I decided to venture off and make a career out of it, and I'm loving it. I love what I do. Um, even the stressful days, I just, I find it, you know, rewarding. And, uh, I started working on cars when I was a kid in the garage with my dad. And, you know, that's just, uh, where I got my start and then clawed my way into the industry and been doing it for about 15 years now, professionally, um, 12 years with the company that I'm at now. And then, uh, the last two years I was actually promoted to manager and given my own shop to run, um, that was closed down when I took possession of it. <laughs> and it's been a very interesting learning curve um, in that management leadership role. But it, uh, it's uh, proven to be rewarding and challenging all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to have my wife in here and, you know, kind of talk about the challenges and obviously the future moving forward um, in the auto industry you know, it's, it's the stigma, right. Of, uh, women don't know what they're doing. I want to talk to a man, right. Um, one of the challenges she deals with all the time and I hear all the time. And, um, I'm even to the point where like, no, you need, you need to talk to her. Like she runs (laughs) the office. So I don't know what you want from me. (laughs) So, so, I mean, that that was like a a big, when we talked, uh, um, in a previous podcast about that kind of similar situation and getting that stigma. But it almost seems like in this day and age being more um, numbers driven, I I feel like y'all have a a way of seeing numbers that uh, I I just don't see and more meticulously minded when it comes to like cleaning. I mean, not just cleaning, but keeping numbers. um, Strategize. I think the organization factor of it, yeah. yeah, the organization factor of it, and seeing patterns and rhythms, and and just kind of, I feel like we have an ability to kind of see things differently. Yeah, and we like have to cleaning do up so the numbers, cleaning up the books. I mean, just even coming down to just seeing, you know, a woman and in, in, as a technician and keeping everything so organized and clean and like precise, it's just different. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, obviously, there's plenty of technicians on both sides. It doesn't have to be a gender role necessarily. That's that. Oh, because you're, you know, one way or the other, like you're going to be cleaner or not or whatever. But I think overall, and I, I, I see that push happening in the industry right now. Um, I find it's a lot different than it once was. I, you know, I've been doing this for a while now. And when I started 
It took a lot. I started in parts and it actually took a lot for me even to get in the industry because I had to prove that I did know things about cars. I mean, I remember my first interview um, for one of the um, bigger parts companies that I worked for for five years and I became management in that. Um, <laughs> during the interview, the guy had a, a piston on his desk and he's like, well, do you know what this is? And I'm like, that's the best paperweight ever, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but just just getting into the industry back then, I um, was was a challenge, and then I, I progressed from there. Um, but I've seen a large shift since then. I don't deal with as much of the um, I need to talk to a man situation. I don't take offense to it in a lot of ways because I understand that we are constantly evolving, and thank goodness it is getting better. Um, but I'm seeing less of that, and and maybe that's because. When I started, I was a puppy. Now I'm an old salty bitch. So, <laughs> so when true. I started, I was like, I had a different mindset. I was, you know, very people pleasing and, and timid. I'm not arrogant now in any way, but when I, I, if I do encounter those, I have a different way of, of handling it to where it's, Hey, you know, let me give you a chance to give, you know, give me a chance. And then if I don't know, Hey, we're both going to learn something here today. And I find that that approach to it, I just don't deal with it as much anymore from, for instance, customers. Um, all of my technicians that I, I deal with, cause I don't have any women technicians in, in on my team. Um, they're male, but in the 12 years as a, or 10 years as a service advisor and now two years as a manager approaching it a certain way, I haven't had any instances where technicians gave me grief because I was a woman service advising for them. I, I have a, had a pretty good run with, you know, mutual respect with people that are my coworkers. Um, and I think that that goes a long way into dealing with, you know, how you deal with the adversity as being a woman in the industry. Yeah. And it's, it's not even so much of a pause as polarizing one way or the other. It's just like that deeply rooted, um, process where someone comes in, they have that anxiety, they're stressed out because their vehicle's broken down. And I don't think if you wrote it down on paper, Hey, are you looking for a woman? Or are you looking for a man? Cause if it's for me, I'm I, like, I want to talk to a woman. Like, obviously I understand they run the show. I understand they so usually make too. the decision. So it's like, that's who I want to talk to. Right. <laughs> but like, yeah. I think there's that older generation or in that, in that field, like, I just want to know an answer right now. And it's, you just have that that old school mentality. Like I just need to talk to a guy. I need a guy to come out here. I need a technician to come out here. And in your mind, the technicians is a guy and he's going to come out and he's going to tell you what's wrong with it. Right. And yeah. And so, yeah, th that situation is, I mean, everyone handles it differently. And I think it's like you said, between arrogance and the confidence. And I think just gaining that little bit of confidence is all it takes. And I think there's plenty of techs turn owners or guys that are new in the industry and they don't get a lot of respect that they feel they deserve. Hey, I've got four or five years. I went to tech school. I know my stuff, but they don't really feel deeply that they understand it. And so they don't have that confidence that comes across when they're speaking to a client when something goes wrong. Because when everything yeah. goes right, it's like, yeah, that's easy. Like, hey, I fixed it. It's 500 bucks. Have a great day. See you next time. But hey, I wish that would happen well, more. Yeah, right. But it doesn't. <laughs> it and right. it's like, hey, so I was wrong. You still owe me that 500 bucks. And then we still got to move forward from here. And in the back of their mind, they, they're they screwing this customer. And it's like, no, like, I mean, as, I'm sure there's guys out there that are. But for the, for the majority, I think it's like, you're doing the right thing here. It's just a difficult vehicle. And we got to figure out how to get this thing fixed. But if you're not confident in that situation, it's, I mean, it, yeah, it can go south real real quick. And it's like, you lose that trust, you lose that confidence in, in the client. And it's like, what do you do now? Like, how, how do you get out of that whole, situation? 
the ego factor is, you know, is as a technician, you take, I would imagine you take pride in what you're doing. So, so having the fact of, you know, when something goes wrong, you're having to have that confidence and hold on strongly to it. But then on the inside, you're feeling kind of crummy because what if you were wrong? And that, that has to have an effect on if a technician's up front trying to talk to a customer that just, there's no buffer there and there needs to be that buffer. Um, yeah. Now, in your situation, this is where the tables kind of turn because I think it's easier for you in your gender role to be able to 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 make that softer approach, and it's almost easier in a sense, right? Hundred um, percent. Yeah. So it's like 100%. that's where like y'all get kind of dangerous when it starts coming to that situation because it's like you get you get that intelligence and you know these vehicles, and then you can take that situation and just hash it out so much easier than my big booming voice or, you know, another service advisor that that's a guy, maybe a bigger guy. And he's got that booming voice. It's very difficult to like simmer down that, that, uh, that hostile situation that comes up, you know, even with all the intelligence in the world. Cause my biggest problem is I go out there and I just start rattling all my, all my education off and they're looking at me, you know, and their eyes kind of get starry eyed and they're like, what are you? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I 1. lost you, didn't I? Like, gigawatts. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I think I, oh. I went too deep, didn't I? Like, and it's like, stop me if I get too technical, but they're not going to say that because everyone wants to feel like they're on the same page, you know? And, well, so, and luckily yeah. I believe that my, my co-pilot, my awesome, awesome, awesome service advisor and co-pilot of the ship that we, uh, we run, we run a tight shipwreck, but we are over explainers to a sense, but that's where our technical knowledge does come in handy because we're more than just paper pushers and, and not having an understanding. And if we don't understand how the system works, we're f- figuring it out. So we have a way of explaining to a customer with just enough technical, but also to the point where we're not overwhelming them with information. Um, th- and that tends to help simmer down the situation. But but those disclaimers and, and explaining to a customer in our terms, you know, how systems work and always having that back door of, hey, look, these systems all work together, but we need to start here. I mean, nobody's perfect and mistakes happen and such, but on the on the normal operating sense of it, um, being able to do that and get on the customer's level is a skill that some technicians may not have. So why are they we going to bring them They don't want to have it either. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I try to get my guys to come up when a customer's super want, happy. I'm like, hey, come up to the office. This customer wants to talk to you. And I don't do that very often. It's usually because the customer specifically says they want to thank the technician. Well, we get all the kudos up front just as much as we get all the grief. The technicians don't see the happy customers. They don't see the people that, you know, are leaving our place with a smile. They just fix the car. They see the car leaving out of their bay and they're like, hell yeah, bye. But they don't get that gratification of that warm, fuzzy feeling. So when I go to pull a technician up to the front to say, hey, can you come talk to this customer? Trust me, you're going to love it. It's going to be great. They're like dragging their feet, like, why are you doing this to me? Yeah, this is, this is not what I want to do. <laughs> so, and it generally ends in a cash tip. The customer that uh, customer wants to give them a little bit of a $5 bill or something for working on their car, you know, or just a thank you. Um, so that's the very rare occurrence that they will come up to the front. But other than that, we're not going to have them beat down by the adversity of it. That's what we're here for. We're here to be the shield to, to also take in all of that and not let it reach them because it can ruin their whole day. And they're 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 working their pushes off on these cars and, and doing the best that they can. It's all about mindset. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's just another huge overlooked aspect of of I think people in general, but in the auto industry it's 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 way overlooked. Um 
you know, we're just in the back. We just have a couple of cigarettes and drink a cup of coffee and get back to work. Right. <laughs> Uh, it, it, and, you know, that's it. Yeah, it's like, it's like, I mean, it's like the mental health aspect of it, you know, like, and like you said, it pulls them down and having these technicians that are technically mindset and they go in there and they fix these cars and these complicated problems and then have them pull up to the front and then, and then deal with the client interaction. It's two different jobs and they're equally hard. Right. And just in different, in ways, different ways, just in different ways. And I yeah. see a lot of shops that do that where they pull their technicians and they want the technicians to sell the job. They want the technicians up front to make the phone call to the client, let them know the, the vehicle's ready, let them know this is the next step. And I just, I'm not sure how, how you run your ship from the inside so and out, but we I have mean, four shops. Um, we have four shops and, um, the one, the shop that I work at is George's Friendly Auto Service in Lincoln. It's a um, California, which is kind of by Sacramento. It's an outskirt line area. Mm-hmm. The other three shops that we have are Duncan's Automotive, and it's funny. the The older I get in this industry, the more amazing I'm realizing that the owner's business plans are. Um, he's been doing the the situation for years where he has the front of the house and the back of the house, and um, you know, he is a technician that turned shop owner and he, he did it because he loves it. And getting to learn from him all of these years and see how he does things, what I'm seeing in the industry now, like on the the CTI podcast group and all that is stuff that more I see this, I see he's been doing it so right for so long. Because at my particular shop, we only have two service advisors. We had three technicians up until just this last week. We got a new technician, a 30-year veteran technician from Lexus and Toyota. So that's been kind of exciting. Um, But the other shops have generally three service advisors and then five or six technicians. Um, and, And But his mindset for being for the technician, it's very important to him that the technicians are taken care of that everyone's taking care of really, but he is, you know, having a clean shop that attracts technicians is huge. You know, having operating procedures that are just, that become muscle memory for everybody from the front to the back. We have these standard operating procedures that are, are we adhere to because if we do that and we keep that, that system going, it's like a fine tuned machine. Of course we get wrenches and the gears and such, but having that is very, very important it just, it just cuts future. down on the percentage of things when they go wrong or when things go wrong, you know what to do because, exactly you know, how do, how do I pull that wrench back out of the gears is, is that's the next step. How do I get back up? Yeah. What's your yeah. plan now? You know? Yeah. Where do we go from here? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that 80%, 20% rule, you know, 80% of the things you can control and then 20% you can't. And it's about being able to capture that 80% of things you can control so that 20% doesn't flex out to 50, 60%. And then you're in a whole world of hurt and the ship's on fire and everyone's hair's on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's so. just not that day. You know, it's like the next day and then the next day and the next day it's like that. And you never get out of that rut. And all of a sudden, two, three years go by and you're like, why am I doing this? Yeah, right. Well, you get a burnout owner, you know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. if your owners burn out, your leaders burn out, it, it, your sales aren't going back up. <laughs> yeah. And I don't anywhere. know how he does what he does. This man works harder than anybody that I know. I'm, I'm not even kidding. Six days, seven days a week. He's working just to keep in, not in the shops. He's not necessarily in the shops fixing cars. He's just keeping everything going, you know, going around and making sure that everyone's doing what they should be doing and, but also inspiring. He doesn't just come in and say, Oh, because I said so 
he's taught me a lot about leadership because the way that he leads is he inspires you to want to do well rather than I said so and do it. You know, it's just a, a whole different, it is the mindset. It is definitely the mindset. Yeah. On, the, on that example, I, I like that is definitely the way of the future. And they say it's a generational thing. You know, when, we're, when I was, when I was brought up in this field, it was like, you do what you're told. And if you screwed up, you got, you know, they just like carried it on for weeks. And like, you know, if you say you screwed up ball joints, like you were, you were ball joint for like the next year, you know, like, cause you broke one ball, you know, it's like that constant harassment and you got to have thick skin to be in this industry. And yeah, I get it. I get the harassment, but I think the wave of the future that's that, that, is not sustainable anymore to be it's a proper not. leader and to, to like elevate the industry and to have multi shops and, you know, be like the guy you're just talking about. Like what's a good example that you can, that comes to your mind as far as him leading you or, or that makes a, his experience with you throughout the day positive. Well, um, oh, that's so rough because there's so many, let me give an example of <laughs> even, a, even uh, a better, something. even a better example of the whole situation I brought okay. up, right? Like there's just too many. <laughs> So every day starts with mopping the floors. Everybody mops the floors. It's not just one person mops the floors. Everybody mops the floors. If he finds that one of the shops, because he has cameras at all the shops, if he finds that you know one of the shops is slacking on the opening duties, he might pop by and he's not going to come in and scold us. He's not going to come in and say, oh, this is you know terrible. You're just going to see him pick up a mop and he's going to start mopping the floor. And then you're going to feel really guilty because why is the owner here mopping the floor when the procedure is to mop the floor? But he doesn't do it with any kind of negativity. But you just, he, that's just an example of how he inspires you to want to actually do things because he leads by example. He doesn't ask anybody to do anything that he hasn't done before. Um, and then he's just very empowering in, in so many different ways. That's the only example I could think of because you put me on the spot there. But <laughs> that was a terrible example. But, you know, no, here we I are. get what you're saying. You, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect example of, of, of leading by example. And I mean, I, I guess someone listening could probably think that sounds a little passive aggressive, but there's obviously a lot more of a culture that's been built in where you have that, I'm not mad at you, I'm disappointed. Exactly. Right? And you don't want to let dad down. Like yeah. that, that's the worst thing ever. Like be mad, be mad. I just don't want to disappoint you. And he's not my dad, but you know, that's, <laughs> but that doesn't, but that doesn't come from, for everybody. And if you're just hired or you're not bought into the culture, you don't understand what's going on there. So there's so much more subtext going on in what your example was there that proves that there's, there's so many layers built in to this culture that's built at the shop to even have that mindset. Cause a lot of guys are like, Oh cool. He's picking up the mop and mopping for me right on. I can do what yeah, I need I to do. Right. And it's like that mind shift is like, and I get it. It's kind of what I like to do too. And I don't look at it as be, I'm being passive aggressive. I'm just like, Hey, the guys are busy and I'm kind of caught up for the moment or I'm usually it's because I'm kind of stressed about something. So I'll go grab a mop and I'll start mopping <laughs> the floor. Cause it's, like, it's the easiest job in the shop. You know, like I just need some like stupid work right now to like reset my head so I can go sit back at the, in the office. But it, it's, it's, it's that you can take it two different ways, I guess is what I'm getting at. And you well, obviously see the, that as like, he shouldn't be here. There's more important things. And you understand exactly. that. Like there's more important things for him to be doing. I should have been able to, to see that this wasn't happening today and I need to do mm -hmm. better to make sure he doesn't, yes. you know? Exactly. And then here's another um, example, you know, being afforded the chance to fail at every level, you know, rather than 
then learning from just being what's expected, being able to have ideas and go to him with ideas. And it, he may not think it's a great idea, but being able to implement a change that may or may not be great, but of being afforded that opportunity to fail, I feel brings on the opportunity to succeed and maybe holster um, facilitates that success better too. That's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. I think for most, um, especially if you're new as, you know, as a shop owner and you're hiring guys, you just want to hire your, your, your replacement, your replica. Um, and you just want to be perfect. And you think that that first mistake is going to throw everybody, you know, everyone's going to be scared of you or, or not scared of you. Everyone's, you know, not going to want to come back to the shop because you're screwing stuff up. You're misdiagnosing. And so you get this micromanaging atmosphere where you, yeah, you're not allowing the technicians to grow. You're not allowing the service advisors to not sell something. Um, it's a tough one. That's a really tough one. And maybe a lot of people look at it like, well, if you're an MSO and you got four or five shops, sure, you can afford to, to have these guys make a mistake because you got all this other income. But on the other side of that coin, it's like, no, because your overhead's five times more than everybody else too. <laughs> like you have even more of an opportunity if someone were to fail for you to go under, right? Um, yeah, so how, do, how do you how do you handle that with your technicians when they make a mistake? Because that obviously breeds from him down to you, and you're, I mean, you're the front lines. You know, like you're making that happen. So how how do you handle those situations? Well, really starts with discussing it with a technician to find out what went wrong. Where did we go wrong? Um, being able to say first of all, hey, I was wrong. You know, it's just a, never beating them down because it's it's mistakes that happen. Um, but also being able to adapt and pivot. Okay. So a mistake happened, getting the feedback of how are we going to fix this? It's not a, am I going to fix it? Or is the technician going to fix it? How are we going to fix this? What are we going to do with this mistake? And what are we going to learn from this mistake moving forward? If you gain something from it, it's not really a mistake at the end of the day. Because right. you've you've earned something out of it. It's always it always can be a learning opportunity. But having that conversation, I think, is it's so much harder thinking about it than actually having that conversation. You know? <laughs> so I mean, I don't I don't know if you ever get away with that, but is, is there anything you personally like to think about before you're entering that conversation? I think a lot of I mean, everyone, they, they get a little worked up because there was a mistake made and now you're like, oh, now I gotta have this conversation. And it's just it's a really, really hard place mentally that you got to put yourself and then get yourself out of because you got to go have this gentle conversation um yeah you know and and it's tough (laughs) i feel like i'm kind of spoiled in a sense because i mean um, the communication that up front with me and tilly that we have with our technicians um it's never i guess i don't really find it stressful because we openly communicate back and forth. Yeah. Hey, look, it's frustrating. I'm frustrated. You're frustrated. We're frustrated. The customer, we're going to try and keep them from being frustrated. But you know, at the end of the day, when you say, Hey customer, we messed up, we made a mistake that takes away the stress from that in most cases, because customers, they can be very understanding. Um, We have a really good client base. Um, and, And Tilly and I, effectively communicate with our customers, but going to the technician and being like, yeah, this sucks a bunch of butt. <laughs> what did we do? How do we get there? Where are we going? Um, it's just open communication, being able to not be us versus them or manager. I hate the word manager, by the way, um, manager versus 
um, subordinate. It's, it's not that. We're all a team. So when you, for instance, when you when you play a sport, right? Um, you should, if you're being honest with yourself, know when you're making a mistake and or when you didn't, and where you are on the team, and and that is part of being a team player is it not being a big deal to say, hey, technician, this this is this is messed up. This is there's a mistake here, and making it a negative. Let's find something positive out of it. Let's communicate. Let's talk about it. It doesn't have to be that negative us versus them situation. Yeah, I think I think the the day to day operations when you're trying to work through it, you're just making your your to do list. <coughs> Excuse me, and then you you go through and oh, got to talk to technician Johnny, you know, and he messed up this this and that. Or you're looking through his um his productivity sheet and you find these different vehicles, right? And you bring them in. You're like, okay, so. This one here, this one here, and this one here, you know, out of a two week spread, you were you, you, you were 10% under where we want you to be. How do we fix that? And you think you're doing the right thing because you're trying to be constructive with it, but in his mind, he's out there working or she is, you know, eight to ten hours putting out work. And then you bring him into the office to say, Hey, so these three cars out of the last 40 is under where we need to be. And it's like, yeah, it's hard to to keep putting yourself and giving yourself that 30,000 foot view. But the one, the one thing I've heard about is, is called the, uh, the sandwich, the pro the, the, oh, what was the word theory. for it, but layering it like a sandwich, right? So yes. you bring them in and you have your bread. So you're like, Hey, really appreciate you being here. You know, love what you do. Never have a problem. A few things here, you get into the meat and potatoes, like a few things here that we can correct, go over that. And then at the bottom, you got the other slice of bread. You know what? But you're an awesome guy. And you smell yeah, great I, too, right? Like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I call that the compliment sandwich. So it's, hey, yeah, your your hair's awesome, dude. Your shirt sucks, but look at those are some good looking shoes you got there. They make you go fast. <laughs> <laughs> do they do they light up when you run? <laughs> Man, they should have light up shoes for adults. I would so get myself some. <laughs> yeah, when's the last time you got new shoes and anybody asked you how fast they were? Isn't that sad growing up? That, you know, you know, like that when we're grown ups, we don't get that. It's funny because my technician actually just got some really fancy shoes, and it was actually funny enough off Timu. And he was like, "I got these off Timu; they're super cool." And I was like, "But are they going to make you go fast?" He's new boot goofing. Just got my new boots. New boot goofing. <laughs> no, and then you know, going back to that, having to have that that conversation, you know, if there's a pattern, you have if there's a pattern of you know missing things on forty five point inspections that we do or you know, things, if there's a pattern that becomes a different conversation, then no. that becomes that more, Hey, we really do need to talk about this. You know, what can I do to help you n not make these mistakes? Because yeah, at this that's, point, that's where do you draw the line? You know, like, yeah. so do you, you take that first instance and you're like, you're trying to nip it in the bud or do you wait for that pattern to emerge or where's that gray area in between? Right. You get someone that comes in late, like once every two months, you know, with no excuse. And it's like, you're waiting for that pattern, but you start realizing the patterns every like two or three months. And it's like, it's such an awkward situation where you're like, yeah, you know, like, well, I hate to be the guy because it's, you've been here on time for the last two or three months. And it just seems like it's out of the blue. And you're like, I don't want to micromanage, but at the same time, it's kind of turning into a pattern. But yeah, I yeah. mean, what a difficult situation that you're, that you've been put in and, you're trying to be a nice person about it and you're trying to not give them their personal space. I understand like you have a personal, you have a life, right? 
but like we all count on each other here. <laughs> yeah. And that goes back to the communication thing. For instance, missing stuff on the, the peace of mind inspections, you know, letting the technician in real time see, you know, and, and have some feedback that isn't necessarily more than just in, in passing, like, Hey, look, you know, we, we missed this air filter was dirty and the customer was, you know, had to found out about it or whatever it is, you know, just that one quick little blurb and not making a big deal out of it. But them having that feedback of yes, here's a little blurb of, of something. And, and that's it. Don't, it doesn't need to be an emotional thing. You don't, you know, be mad at the technician all day because they missed an air filter. I, I hate that mindset. Um, but then when, the, if the pattern does emerge, well, you know, I, I, we're seeing this pattern here now where things are being missed often. Do we need to give you more time to do these inspections or, or is, you know, it, and in fact, a uh, story for that, one of my technicians was consistently missing stuff. And it's really hard because he's, he's my yes guy. He is, um, he's a little newer in the industry. Um, and he was consistently missing minor things, but those could be major things on these inspections. Um, cause a lot of our clientele is repeat, um, come in every couple months, sometimes whatever the case is, but it became a pattern and all it took. Cause I, I had the conversation, Hey buddy, like this is, we're missing a lot of these things now and it's becoming a pattern and we need to be confident in what you're doing because the customer builds their confidence on what we're doing. And, and if we let these things go, then there's a problem. Um, but bringing that to his attention and that he really took the communication. We had a pretty good conversation about it. And he took the communication and he really started to introspect into what his processes were. And you know what it turned out to be is that he was doing his inspections. And at this time, we were still paper inspections. We just went to the DVIs this last week, which has been great. That's a whole other story. But he was doing his paper inspections. And as he was doing them, rather than writing things down in live time, he was trying to remember everything at the end. And so he came to me and he said, hey, Jess, like this is I, I think I figured it out. And I said, OK, well, what'd you find? And he's like, well, I haven't been writing down as I go, because I, I had noticed actually that his inspections were substantially better. And I'm like, hey, these are great. He's like, yeah, I figured it out. I wasn't writing things down right away. I was waiting until the end and I would forget things. Because every time I go say, hey, Brandon, we, oh, I shouldn't use his name. <laughs> hey, we missed this. Um, <laughs> if you could edit that out, that would be great. Um, <laughs> um, we missed this. He'd be like, oh, yeah, I saw it. And I'm like, well, why didn't you write it down? Oh, I forgot. Okay. So that little tweak in his operating procedure for himself as a professional technician has been night and day. Yeah. And this was last year. And it's but been nothing it, but upward. It takes so much work to get to that point. You know, like you sit him down, you know, whoever it is, you, you, we have team meetings, we have one-on-one -on -one meetings, and you just ask and you, you're hoping that you get this information and you think that's good enough, right? And it's a realization that I'm making personally as well. It's like you just assume that they will tell you, hey, so let's sit down a little bit. Let's talk. Anything going on? Nope. Everything's good. Okay, cool. That must be. But it's like you almost have to be a detective or like, you know, you have to be involved. And I don't know how MSOs do it because you have like, there's so many people, but obviously I'm not in that position either. To even know, but, <laughs> but like you have to watch those things. And just like you're saying, you're, just, you're paying attention to these inspections and it's like, hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? You can't just have one conversation and say, I need this better. Fix it. And if that doesn't happen, you're fired. Um, okay, well, that, that's not going to fix the problem, you know? And it's, it's paying attention and knowing, like, 
hey, something's a little off. What's going on? And then like knowing if there's something going on with your family, like, hey, everything's good with your, your wife, your kids, like everything at home's good and just paying attention. I, I had a story about um, this guy was telling me a technician was late all the time speaking of being late and uh we kept asking him like hey i need you to be on time I need you to be on time it was constant 10 20 30 minutes late all the time patterns you know kept telling him hey look we got to get you on track we got to figure this out and it's like gave him his warning and did the whole the whole corporate thing you know like i did my i did a written warning yeah, and he still right didn't, and, and then and then a month goes by and then the pattern comes back it's every other week so i did the final warning and i was getting ready to let this guy go and he just happened to sit him down like hey look man like if if i'm serious like i need you here but if you can't show up on time i'm gonna let you go and he said the guy looked like he was gonna start crying like he's like dude like, what, what, like, what's the deal and he's like well i need this job I'm like well i need you to be here on time <laughs> It's like, and he's like, "What's the problem?" And it's like, finally got it out of him. It was like, he said he's like pulling teeth. He's like, "Well, he he watches his phone at night to fall asleep, and then his phone goes dead. His <laughs> alarm is on his phone, and he's like, just get an alarm clock." And he's like, "A what? what?" So he literally went. He said he went down to Walmart. Like he left that day, went down to Walmart, got him a little one of them little you know, we're old enough to know what these are. You know what the, yeah, right. what the you know the radio and stuff on it. You know. <laughs> Bottom an alarm clock was never late again after that. Oh, that's awesome. I have 15 like, alarms every morning. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but it's crazy, you know, like it's just crazy. And then after that, ended up being the best technician in the shop and like life went on and everything was great. It's like, wow. Like, but if you don't have that communication and you just like have these, these procedures that you're following and not really looking at your people from the inside and figuring out and, and paying attention to what they're doing and how they're mood shifting and attitude shifting, you just never know. You, and it's like that all, that's all it took was a $10 Timex freaking <laughs> alarm clock to get this guy back on track. Like, dude, that tech's worth $20,000 a month to you. Like, right. And you're going to, and you're just giving up, just, up <laughs> just going to fire. Like, yeah. So, <laughs> communication i mean that's that's what it comes down to you know and and paying attention and it's 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 crazy how that's all it takes but you ask them and they won't tell you but yeah <laughs> <if> you- <laughs> oh man yeah it's uh it's definitely so this particular technician at one point i was talking to the owner and i'm like look i think it's at this point where i think he's very valuable to us but i don't think that my shop is the right fit for him so it might be wise to maybe move him to one of the other shops where he can have more supervision. Um, maybe that be, and, and maybe a little bit of, cause we have a shop that's set up where I have three different compartments kind of to the shop. I have two bay or two lips in each of these three compartments. So it's a little weird. So like, and it was, but it was at the point where I was like, Hey boss, man, like I, I can't, I don't know how, to, I don't know what to do to get through to him on, on getting these things not to be missed. And, um, I said, you know, I think I'm ready to have him shipped over to one of the different locations and see if maybe they can give him more instruction than what I can or, or find the solution because the guy shows up early every day. You know, he is the yes man. You you can ask him to do anything and it's always yes. He's a team player. He's caring. He's, there's all these good qualities, but this one thing, these, these silly little things getting missed over and over and over. Frustrating. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But, but how do we get through that? You know, what if I, and I, I will admittedly, I told the boss, man, Hey, I was wrong. I do not want to ship him. I've seen, we've, we've come a long way. We're in a whole different situation now than we were then. And this is a matter of just a couple of months where the patterns disappeared and that, that, but what if I would have let him go? He's a valuable member to our team. But if I gave up on him without finding a, a productive solution, that's what the boss man kept telling me. 
like, well, hey, are you, are you sure? Like, you, I think there's probably a solution here somewhere. You know, what are you going to do to find that solution? He didn't give me a syllable bullet answer. And that's part of his leadership and how he works is he doesn't necessarily always give you the answer. He gives you the food for thought to think about the answer and get there. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's an interesting situation. And it's not like he knew the answer and he was dangling in front of your face. No, not at it's all. It's just, it's not just, if, if he's, if he also becomes the yes man, then guess where you're going to be in five years. You're going to be asking him every time there's a problem. Yeah. You yeah, know? exactly. Exactly. And he, he basically, when he comes to our shop, he's, he's popping in for a cup of the coffee from that fancy Keurig machine he bought us. And hi, how's it going? He goes and he talks to all the technicians for a few minutes. Just, you know, just, he gets to know them. So he's, he's an owner that is, he's just, he's a unicorn. I, I call him a unicorn as far or Sasquatch, whatever, as far as the boss, they're, they're rare. Um, so he's in there for a few minutes <laughs> getting to know where everybody's at. And then hi, K, bye, see you later, you know, and he speeds off and <laughs> we'll see him again. Or we call him when there's a problem and he'll, you know, he'll come bail us out in, in a sense of show us where to look. Um, but it's all about communication. Yeah. Well, having that leadership roles, it's a difficult one. And uh, I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, I'm learning. <laughs> we, we're all learning. I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, it's, it's just about taking the information that you get and obviously surrounding yourself by people that are obviously doing the same thing. And we all learn from each other and constantly try to figure out the next best, you know, movement forward. Like, how do we pivot from here? How do we get our technicians to not miss things? How do we get the service advisors to sell things without high pressure selling them? How do we like, well, you got to talk to them for one, and then you got to make sure you're managing and paying attention to what they're doing, but so much easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I feel pretty spoiled. I have my co-pilot is she's just a superstar. Um, <laughs> her, it's like, we're so much alike in our, our service advisor skills. Cause I, I am a manager, but I'm also, I'm an active service advisor. There's two of us. Um, but, but working alongside her and just the confidence that I have in her, um, and, and how she, how we have our culture with the customers too. Like, it's the customers are just as much as part of the team as the technicians are in a sense. They're putting food on our tables and we're keeping their cars on the road. So of course the technicians are ensuring the fact that we're getting the information, but we want to make sure that we're letting the customer know and painting a clear picture about their car, you know, without Absolutely. overselling or all that horrible stuff. Oh yeah. You can, uh, you can open up the nicest facility, paint it all brand new, shiny floors, hire all the top ACs, master certified technicians, top, top of the industry service advisors. They sell 125,000 a year. But, uh, if, if there ain't no customers coming to your front door, that don't matter. That don't mean a yeah. damn thing. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Are, you, yeah, you've you've got to have people coming to your shop. Like step <laughs> yeah. one, how do I start, start an auto shop business? Well, you need clients. Like for one, you need yeah. cars to fix. That's the very first thing you have to do. Well, and it's all about creating that customer experience. And and truth of the matter is, when you look at that customer experience, it starts at the front and the back of the house. Because the customer experience, what they get from the whole as, as a functional non-toxic team is gonna be a better product than if in my opinion, if there's a toxic team, because it's, it, there's going to be things that are just different. Culture means everything, even with the customer. Oh, they, they um, can tell. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, they it's can easy. Tell. You can tell they when can you go. It, the water. Yeah, you can go to a retail shop. You can go to, a, uh, I don't know, a, a Panda Express or whatever. And if the team's not getting along, it's very obvious, right? Yeah. 
And even if that food, I mean, it's terrible anyway, but um, <laughs> I haven't even, had breakfast yet, so I'm hungry. <laughs> I'd eat that right now. <laughs> even, 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 I mean, but even if it it was great and, and it's, but it's awkward when you go in there, you just don't want to go back. Even if it's the best one in town, you know, like yeah. it, it's, it's amazing. And you can have the nicest people and the food sucks. And I mean, it's kind of the same situation, but you're more apt to go in there and maybe give them some feedback. Like, Hey, just wanted to let you know, like we got this, you know, I would come here more if you offered this or 100%, this, yeah. you know, but if you got a bad culture, it's like, no one's going to tell you anything. No one's going to tell you you're doing a bad job. Like they're just hoping you go out of business. So somebody else goes in your place. I think it's more forgiving if you have that good culture and maybe, you know, not top notch product. I mean, in the automotive industry, I feel like having a top notch product is very important because that's wheels on the road that are spinning with lives in them. Um, but I, I feel like the culture is so important that it can make or break a shop. Yeah. All the way but, around. If you have toxicity, it's, it's just, it seeds out. Yeah. And I mean, to be real and realistically, you're not going to be a top-notch shop all the time. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I could. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we all, we all do. We all hope that's going to happen. And, you know, it's one of the most frustrating and stressful things when you start is like th- th- those first, like I said, the first couple of mistakes you start making and you're like, oh my God, this was my business plan was to be the best. I want every transmission I build to go out there and never come back. And then you get the first couple ones coming back and it's like, oh my God, like this was my whole vision. And now it's going, it's like, you can't base that on your product. But what you can do is make sure you stand behind your product every time. And then you got someone up front with a smile on their face, happy when that, when, when that, uh, come back, comes back in. You know, and we used to call them yo-yos, yeah. you know, so yo-yos. you put the trans in. Boomerang. Yeah, boomerang, <laughs> yo-yo, whatever you call it. But, uh, you know, but you get in that culture where you have a leader that's like trying to push this. We're the perfect shop. Nothing breaks. And then every time I come, you got one back on the hook. He's in a bad mood because it's ruining his reputation. Well, you think anybody in the shop's going to be happy now? And you think the client's happy because I got to bring their car back? It's like, but if you're like, cool, this is an opportunity to figure out what I did wrong. Hey guys, let's get this thing back in here. Let's figure it out. And then everyone's like, oh, cool. He's all right. Like we made a mistake, but it's all good. And it's like, then they're happy with the client and the client get better experience. And that's way more important than on the intake, in my opinion, anyway. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's, it's, it's how you fail, not when, but it's how, (laughs) what you do with that. How you fail is important. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) We're all going to fail. And that's the thing is I had a, um, a long time ago, long, many moons ago, I had a manager that, that told me to never apologize. He said, we never apologize because then you're admitting fault. I hated that piece of advice and I became insubordinate about it because I don't have a problem saying, Hey customer, I'm sorry. We're human. This is what happened. Let me explain it to you. Of course we stand behind everything that we do. So we're going to take care of it. Customers respect that so much. And even if you failed them in that mistake, right? It's about how you fail. So yes, it was a failure, but you're showing that customer Hey, we're standing behind this. We're going to turn this around. And, and it actually, you would think in one school of thought that it would take away confidence from the shop. But in truth, it can build confidence with that customer in what we stand for as, as a shop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you wrote it down on paper, you know, and you're looking at this thing technically, the shop should never admit fault. The shop should never be wrong. Because you're an auto shop and we're here to fix cars. So technically on paper, that's what we're supposed to be doing. But you forgot to add the most important aspect to that equation, which is the human element. Yes, the human element. (laughs) And that also 
shows what we can charge for our service because yes, we are humans. We are people trying to fix these pieces of machinery, right? And it's yes. like, that's what gets mixed, missed so much. It's just like, everyone thinks it's a retail consumer thing, you know, uh, and they get menu pricing, right? Like I, I never <laughs> understood menu. How do you do menu pricing? Like doesn't make any damn sense. And it's like, you can't, you can't take this industry and, and make it a McDonald's. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we all strive to, and some of the best MSOs out there are trying to make it replica, repl- replicate it like that. Right. Um, entire stores are probably the best ones at it. You know, that's, that's an easy thing to replicate, but for yeah. the most part, when you get the consumers in the point, they think it's like Amazon and they can just pull prices off the internet and say, I want this service on my car. This is how much it's, it's supposed to cost. Like that's not how it works. Yeah. Why? Well, well, cause we're people and they're cars. <laughs> yeah. And everything's different. And that's where, um, what's, you know, being able to, yeah, we have standard operating procedures that are implemented at all the shops. They're standard operating basic procedures, but each shop, each one of the four locations, the recipe is slightly different, you know? So <laughs> Mr. Silverstein was saying about, you know, you know, getting a McDonald's burger versus the best burger in town, the best burger you've ever had in your life, right? Yeah. <laughs> the last podcast, you know, we may not be the best burger in the whole world, but we're not a McDouble, you know, yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's finding that, you know, there's that, a lot of great, there's a lot of gray in between. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but I don't, you know, of course I want to be the best and I want us to be the best shop ever that can fix every single car and be a hundred percent, but that's just not realistic. It's not yeah, realistic. It's not. And that's why I always hate that correlation of trying to like, use our service industry and and match that to like different aspects because there's too much changes there's there's too many you, you know like ground beef doesn't change that much every year and a half you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. they don't add more technology into hamburgers and they got to figure out how to like cook this new meat i mean yeah if, if you really the wanted, meat cooks itself now <laughs> yeah i mean if you really wanted to d- dive down deep into that hole it's a whole different uh i think that's a whole different conversation to talk about what's in the ground beef nowadays but you get my point it's like the technology yeah. and the stuff that we're trying to deal with and the new tooling we got to deal with and and then the technician shortage and quotes that we're that we're that we're having to work through it's like there's so many different aspects in it and our product that we're delivering is based on these technically savvy technicians. We're not yes. flipping burgers out back. And that is like the big problem. That's what the divide is. Like we can't just have these layers of service management and all this and then rely on our technicians um, at the bottom as, as just hamburger flippers or, or stacking yeah. burgers together. It's like our service that we provide is based on technically savvy people, mm-hmm. right? And, and they're not easily replaceable. So it's a complete... And it, and that like it encapsulates our whole ent- entire conversation here is like because we're all on the same kind of level we're all in the same field and you have to have this culture to keep the best of the best in the back yes right? yes not 100%. just like these not just like these oh you can be replaced tomorrow because i can hire someone out of high school to come in and my procedures are so perfect that i can just implement the next guy in there like a robot and everything's going to be fixed the same <laughs> Right. That's the why inspection. toolboxes have wheels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Like, no, it's not how it that's works. That's terrible. It is. No. And but having that correlation and like trying to relate it to other industries, that's what it makes it look like. Yeah. And on that reference of that podcast, like the E Myth, and looking through like a technician and a manager and then the entrepreneur, right? And we all have these different mindsets going on, and you try to implement those mindsets into a business. And I don't know if it, it's not just the auto industry. I mean, 
HVAC, plumbing, it's all different. All people, when you're talking about high level skilled technicians, they all have a different way of doing what they do. And that's the service that you're providing the client. So you have to almost custom tailor the work they do to the client that you're offering that service to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Like like the inspections you're talking about, like every technician has a different inspection process, you know? Exactly. And giving them the freedom to be able to do it in that way. Well, they're not breaking the standard operating procedure, but they're just putting their little flair on it. And if the end result is the same, who am I to tell him, oh, no, you need to check the tires before you check the air filter? What does it matter? He wants to check the air filter first, then check the tires. Super cool. They're both still getting checked. Yep. <laughs> and documented. Whoopie do. Like, why micromanage to that extent? Because honestly, that I feel like that creates just that toxicity at just the smallest level. It, so, um, and if well, the end it, result ends up being the same, there we are. Yep. They're just so worried about making a mistake at that point. You've, excuse me, you've bred this culture. If I make a mistake, they're going to call me out on it. It's like everything I do, if I misspell something, right? I've, I've seen shops and I've worked in shops where the service advisor like literally will, will mistype something and then they get called out on it. Hey, there was a typo in your work order. Oh, geez. Really? That's what you, that's what you're worried about right now. (laughs) You know, like you're just so perfect. Like that's the only thing going wrong in your life right now is a typo. Like get real. Right. And it's like, that that's the problem like that that's what's happening it's like you 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 try to take these these books you read and these people you listen to and these podcasts you listen to and you're trying to take all this stuff verbatim and insert it into your shop oh i like that i want to be mr perfect too you know what i mean (laughs) and like most of the other ones out there are a bunch of bullshit they're talking about anyway but they try to implement that (laughs) stuff in their shop it's like no that's not what you're supposed to be doing and like having a coach and being able to tell you hey like, that's a great idea, but it's not going to work for you. I mean, it could work for your shop, but you need to do this, this, and that to change the culture. And it's just like with the technician. Do you hire a new technician? Okay, now you need to watch him and see how he's doing his inspections. And you need to change your process up a little bit to cater to what he's doing or she's doing, right? Same with selling. Like, I don't really like how you talk to the customer like that. I think you should say this conversation like this. Like, it's like, what does it matter? Who are you to tell them if the job is <laughs> sold and they build a relationship with the client, they don't have to do it like you. Yeah. Well, that's actually an interesting point because, um, for instance, Tilly and I, we're, we're spend 40 hours a week together, more than 40, but we're in the shop, you know, but when she first came to, um, to my shop, um, I asked for her from one of, asked for her from one of the other shops. I thought that, you know, I I saw some strengths in her that I just absolutely adored. We'd only worked together like for a grand total of two days, but I liked what I saw. And so I was like, well, I don't have a lot of resources here. Can I please have Tilly? Well, it took a while. There were some, there were some learning curves and some adjustments because, I, you know, she was, she was newer or she is newer in the industry. I think she's like going on five years now, but, um, but when she was with me, you know, learning that trust, learning to trust her process in how she's presenting something to a customer. Whereas we might say the same paragraph, but I put my, I would put it this part of it at a, at a you know, an earlier point where she put it somewhere else and learning to be able to adapt to that and trust the process and trust her and know that we're ultimately going to be saying the same thing in the same effective manner, but we're saying it in a different order. It also works. So it was, it was interesting to, to learn that, to learn that trust on that level of it. 
you know, who cares for checking the air filter first or the tires first? <laughs> right. <laughs> or same with the repairs. Like you're watching the repair and, you know, their tools are everywhere and it's a complete mess, right? Just you look over yeah. there and it, and it just looks like a bomb went off, you know? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the job gets done well. All the fasteners go back in. All the fasteners go back in. <laughs> and it's done under time. And yeah. it's like, and, and it's a job well done. And then they clean up their tools after. And you got the other guys, like he does the job, you know, he's, he's working, he takes the wrench, wipes it off, puts it back in the toolbox. And it's like, for me, I like that, right? It's like, that makes me feel good. Like, oh, he's, he's so organized, you know, like <laughs> everything's all laid out on, on, on a cart and on rags. Like, oh, that looks so good. It's like, it really looks like he's being professional or whatever, but it's like, it might go over time or maybe forget some of those fasteners or whatever, but it's like, that's the, it doesn't, it's, it's the process. Like as long as the yeah. job gets done and done well, like you can't micromanage that situation. Like, Hey, I need, I need you to hit your bay to look like his bay. Cause it looks so much cleaner and so much more organized. Well, like why, what does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> but letting yeah. go a little bit of that, like that's the hardest thing. And I think on the front end, on the office, it's even harder because you know, the conversations that you've trained yourself and you've learned how to have, and you're mm -hmm. like, trust me, this works for me, but yeah. that's the problem. It works for you. Exactly. <laughs> let let exactly. them pick up that little, the little tidbits and figure out how to mold that into what they're selling. And it's like having that confidence of using your own voice is what's going to sell the job, not parroting yes. something else that works, you know? And that's the hardest thing. I mean, hands down, having someone come in the office and speak with your clients, the the people that you've built this trusting relationship with, yeah. and you're just, li you're just listening like, you know, there's exactly. a few things in there. <laughs> well, and I'm so spastic that like, um, <laughs> Tilly loves me and she learned it to, to, um, to accept me, but I'm so spastic that when I, I think something, sometimes I say it. And so, you know, in the beginning, she'd be like halfway through a conversation. I'm like, don't forget about X, Y, Z, you know? And oh, it would man. totally, I know I was the worst. I was the worst <laughs> Tilly. I know you're going to listen to this and I'm so sorry for all of those times. Okay. <laughs> but, but you know, that would hinder hers, her confidence. It would hinder her whole conversation. And I would throw a whole wrench in the gears just because, you know, that, that, just the trust, you know, and building that trust now building that trust is also helping her with her confidence because, you know, my biggest goal for back then was for her, my personal goal to, to facilitate was that I, I harbor um, confidence, you know, and if she gets the confidence. She's unstoppable. And I just, I get to see it now. And I realize now that sometimes I just keep my mouth shut because she's going to get there too. <laughs> she doesn't maybe, need my two cents. Just maybe you were the problem. <laughs> I was the problem. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to admit that yeah. <laughs> I made a mistake. <laughs> but that's like step one, right? Like yeah. everything that goes wrong in the shop is my fault. Yeah. Hands down. Like that's, that 100%. is, that, it's like, there's no way around it. And I, I had talked to so many guys that like, Oh, so-and-so's doing this again. So-and-so's late again. And well then fire him. Well, I can't fire him. Well then figure out how to get in there on time. Figure out how they're yeah. messing up the inspections. Well, how do I do that? Dude, you're the problem. Like it's your problem. <laughs> You know yeah, what I mean? Right? Like, like everything that goes wrong doesn't matter. You cut through the all the layers, and at the very base of it, it's my shop. It's my business. It's it's it was my problem. Something that yeah. I am not doing or not like adhering to. Like it's always, always like there's you can always find it down at the bottom somewhere <laughs> if you're well, willing to so look much, that deep. <laughs> if you're willing to look, because it's so much easier at, at the you know human level, the human element, to be blind to that, and and you know being afraid of failing. That's the thing is if, if, if I'm afraid to admit that I'm wrong, 
then I'm creating a culture and, you know, as leading a culture to where I don't want my technicians being afraid to be wrong because then they're going to probably make more mistakes that way when you're living in that fear. So, yeah, yeah. You know, (laughs) yeah. Fear, fear based decisions. I mean, that's, that's probably the biggest, the biggest challenge we over try to overcome every day is, is being wrong on a diagnosis, being wrong on a repair, being wrong on a price. Um, yeah. I mean, and that goes outside of even the shop, like at home, yeah. right? Like fear-based <laughs> decisions. Like you, you stop making money, then you start pulling back and, you know, oh, maybe I need to move. Maybe I don't need this big of a house. Maybe like can't take my kids to private school anymore, whatever you're trying to do, right? Like it, it's just like these fear-based decisions and it's so hard to cut back, but it all stems from those having those conversations, right? And like admitting to yourself that maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I need to step back a little bit. And it sounds like the owner of the shop you're at is is kind of figured that out. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a I, I adore him. I think he needs to be on some of these podcasts because he's a very interesting individual. <laughs> In fact, someday if I have my podcast, I'm hoping to drag him on to it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it, I mean, it's good to listen to everyone's different perspectives and and how you deal with certain situations, and you start realizing that once you get to a certain level you start realizing we're all kind of on the same page. We're all kind of on the same level in a sense, as far as like what we're trying to do, but there's no magic pill. There's no magic silver bullet, you know? And and when, so when you're dealing with the office side of it and you bring in a new trainer, you know, for, or a new trainee for service advising, Mm -hmm. do you have a procedure now that you've been able to, to work up in your mind as far as like how you're going to train that? Well, I haven't really had the opportunity because I've had Tilly since basically shortly after opening. So um, I have realized to be more, um, I just need to listen more and talk less <laughs> sometimes. And that was, that was the biggest thing for us. And now for how we are, you know, we've gotten to a point now where we both teach each other things all the time. It's not that I don't learn things from her just as much as she learns things from me. And then we learn things from the technicians and we learn things from the owner. It's about being open to, to learning to be able to train or teach anyway. Because if you think you know everything, then there's no room for new knowledge. Yeah. As soon as you admit you know everything, it just proves that you know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, usually how it works. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of know-it-alls out there yeah. in some of these groups. <laughs> so another, another tough situation that I've always, that I, I work through is when you get an upset client. And having, yeah. having someone new. So is how is that situation for you? Do you like to get in there and take the bull by the horns or do you sit back and just kind of like, oh, I'll see how, I'll see how she's going to handle the situation oh, and kind of let her take it. That's a good one. Um, I have learned that it's, if she needs me, we have certain cues to where if she needs me to step in, it's be, we, we're such a tight knit team that I can take that cue and know when I need to interject. And then I like, for instance, we had this customer just, just this week. And I'm so proud of her for how she handled this. Um, we had this customer, he came in with a total shitbox Nissan Maxima. The thing hadn't run in two years. It was in a field. He wanted to see if it was worthy of getting running. I, I didn't have any, any part of this ticket other than just kind of eavesdropping because I'm always eavesdropping as, you know, with what I do. Um, but Tilly handled it and she, um, she had the, you know, it needed a battery because the battery was dead. The customer was concerned about a drivability issue, but the thing had so many oil leaks that it wasn't safe to drive. And there was transmission codes. There was cat codes. There was just all these different 
think is wrong with this car. And the initial conversation that she had with this customer was she understood his intentions with this car was to get it back on the road if it made sense. They had a beautiful conversation. You know, she told him all the findings. Hey, you're going to need a battery first. Um, to, you know, just no, just, and it was an alternator. I'm sorry, I got that backwards. They needed an alternator. The alternator was just done, gave up on life. The battery was needed also. She told him that and he wanted to do that and then see, even though she, he knew that it would run in the shop, but we couldn't, we weren't going to drive it. We weren't willing to take that on because it was just dumping oil. Right. They had a whole beautiful conversation about it. Well, he comes to pick up the car. She checked him out and he goes on about his day. And then he calls me right back and said, hey, the, the car died down the street. And I'm stuck on the side of the road. <laughs> we told you that was going to happen. You know, like we advised you to maybe not drive the car because <laughs> yeah. we're professionals and we're not going to drive your car. So he's like, but I, I came in there for a drivability issue. I wanted to know, you know, I think it's the fuel pump. And Tilly had sold him diagnostic and she did everything right. And I, you know, everything right. So um, we get him back down to the shop and his brother, Billy Bob, or whoever this person was, his friend's mechanic that each lunch, each lunch with somebody, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yep. He started to grill Tilly. And, you know, I'm, I'm standing there and I see her. She did everything right. It was beautiful. She, she addressed him with, I'm, I'm, you know, addressed him directly and said, I gave you this information. You know, we talked about this. You told me you didn't want to put a bunch of money into the car. I, we, we, she just handled it so well. And in that, the, the mechanic friend or whatever kept trying to cut her off and, and tell her basically, you know, what she's going to do and what he thinks. And she just stood her ground. And it was very kind. It was very tactful. She just basically repeated everything again in, a, in five different ways that was on the invoice about the conversation they had before that. And it ended up to be where that customer left there with a smile on his face. You know, we arranged to get it towed from where it was at. Um, luckily, we're in a small town. So the local tow guy is our tow guy. So he, I called him and said, hey, you think it's going to get towed from here where it's at? He said, no, because I'm the tow truck driver that would be picking it up. <laughs> so, so we, <laughs> we were able to, to get the customer back on the home in a different vehicle, of course. And he left with a smile and understanding, but it was going really south in the beginning. And, and, you know, but I did, I just kind of stayed out of it because she was handling it so well, but watching that level of confidence from her, if I would have interjected myself in that other than being like, yeah, she's right. You know, like, you know, what she said, what she said, <laughs> if yeah. I would have in any way interjected myself, I would have taken that opportunity from her. And she was so proud of it after it was all said and done because she, it's really tough for her to be assertive sometimes as it is for me, because when you're assertive as a woman in the industry, you're kind of being a bitch, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not just being direct and assertive. That's, that's kind of how the, the view is skewed, but she was so tactful and assertive in a positive way. And it had a positive outcome. And I didn't rob her of that by interjecting with my big mouth because yeah, I have a, a tendency to do that. <laughs> that's a great way to put that. Yeah. Cause you, cause you rob them when you do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I feel like it's it's such like a second nature thing when you're when you're kind of like watching that situation unfold, and f for me even like, well, this is my responsibility. Like it's my shop. This is my problem. Like you shouldn't have to talk to this anybody like that. And I've told you know service advisors, technicians, hey, if anybody comes in and starts giving you lip, like you don't take that. Like that's for yeah. me. Like you guys don't need to deal with that. Like we're all people here. We don't. But some of those situations is an opportunity for them to grow. And yeah, it's like, and if, if every time they come in and do that, it's like, they're just looking for the owner. They're just looking for you. Like, let me talk yeah. to the, you know, let me talk to Jess. I talked to her last time, you know, <laughs> like every time there's a problem, they're just going to be looking for you. And like, how does anybody grow like that? And then every time they come in, she's just going to turn around and go, Hey Jess, your, your client's here again. Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and on the flip side of that too, that very same week, I think it was the next day, um, we had another situation where where it was a situation where she was getting yelled at on the phone, and it was just, it was something that I needed to handle because I, it just it needed to be um, taken up to me. And what it was was this, this young girl came in with the Prius, and it had a very hard misfire, and it was like 69,000 miles. It's just like the 2017. It was very low mileage, but it had a hard misfire, crazy engine noise. You know, we sold her diagnostic like we're supposed to, because that's what we want to do. Um, and then we ended up finding that there was rodent damage and the whole, a whole section of the cylinder one injector wire, both pieces of it were gone, you know, and luckily we just implemented these D, uh, DVIs. So I'm very happy for that. But this customer, it was their daughter in there. The customers that was yelling at T Tilly, it wasn't actually the customer. They were the parents of the customer. Mm -hmm. And so the customer and I, because I handled the ticket anyway, had a really great, you know, conversation. She was confident with it. I even reduced the diagnostic because, you know, we were at 252 for the diagnostic, but because we found it and we, it wasn't a 252 diagnostic in this case. So I re reduced it down to a hundred dollars, um, sold her the new connector and, and, and explained it to her, gave her the pictures and uh, she was happy with that. And, um, so took care of her, took care of the noise. It took care of the misfire. All that was great. Well, the, she had the mom call and pay for it. Everything went great there too. Um, but the next day the dad calls, uh, the mom calls yelling at Tilly, passes the phone, um, to the dad. She puts it on hold. I pick it up and this guy completely insults the integrity of the shop. And I understand why. And I, I had sympathy or empathy for him because his little girl went to a shop and in his eyes, we took advantage of her. But it's having to overcome that. And uh, so what ended up happening was I said, you know, I had to stand my ground and say, no, sir, I know for a fact that we didn't just put electrical tape over a wire. We replaced an entire connection, an entire connector. And we did it for not much more than she was originally in here for in the beginning for the diagnostic. We reduced the diagnostic. So they didn't believe me at all. He's like, well, I'm going to come down there and you're going to show me what you did in my daughter's car. And, you know, I don't know why you did $300 worth of work on something that I could have done and put a piece of tape on. And so anyway, long story short. I was able to stand up and say, no, sir, my, my technicians have integrity. Um, we have integrity as a shop. We are not a fly-by-night operation. And I would love for you to come down here so I can show you because that would put my heart at peace because this is not a good situation for either of us right now. Um, anyway, in the meantime, I actually pulled up the DVI and uh, I called them back and because they were supposed to come back this next week. I called them back and I left a message saying, hey, can I have your email, please? Because I can give you a picture proof. Um but, but they were being terrible. I mean, the lady was yelling at Tilly and there's no reason for that. The guy, the guy that I was dealing with, he, he was being unreasonable at first, but they called back and gave the email and eventually thanked us. But still, you know, that's something that abuse that she was having to get that wasn't meant for her. That wasn't her problem or anything that she should have had to internalize. Yeah. I mean, it's not really meant for, I mean, anybody like anywhere. Yeah. And I just feel like in our industry, this is something that we deal with way more than anybody thinks of. You know, we started this conversation about how with a lot of positivity, right? And yeah. um, it doesn't matter what shop you go to or how great you want to be. You have unreasonable, you have clients with unreasonable expectations that we all deal with all the time. Um, and, and it's just, it's a strange thing that um, being a brick and mortar too, like they can come back at any time and you get this kind of feedback, I guess you'd call it, right? For yeah. apparently no reason. Like what's with that heightened level of anxiety that you're having right now? You know, 
you haven't even came down to have a conversation with me. You're just going to call yeah. and start yelling at somebody like, and mm-hmm. that's just standard for an auto repair shop. Like, and, and yeah. it is though, like w- you and I both, it's something we both, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you deal with it all the time, you know? And it's like, and you have even a procedure where like, Hey, look, if this wasn't yours, just pass it to me. And it's like, really? Like who else, what other industry has to deal with something like that? Where it's like, oh, you're ripping me off and I could have done that myself because I watched a YouTube video and, and replacing a connector is really easy. That should have been 10 minutes and $100 or less than $100. And it's like, really? You own a shop? Well, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> at, the end, at the end of it, it was a matter of, no, sir, you know, we did do a, a repair in, your, in the vehicle. I'm sorry if you're upset with the price. The price, if, if the price is the issue here, that's one thing, but that's that's our prices. If the But the integrity of our shop we did a proper repair and we did it for almost, you know, just a little bit more than she initially signed for. We took care of her and I, you know, I don't appreciate, I didn't appreciate that. Um, but, but here's the other flip side of that. Having the empathy to understand where he's coming from in his eyes. All he knows is his little girl just went to a shop and got ripped off. He doesn't know the intricacies. Now he could have handled it differently, but having the empathy to be able to understand on their end of it, why they're coming to a shop, with that, that guard up. And that's where the skill comes into play of, of being able to get through that guard and communicate effectively with the customer as well, and be able to get them to realize that, Hey, you're on the same team as we are. It's not you versus us. We are all on this, in this together. Um, and then if they don't fit into that, you're not my client. Bye. I'm sorry. I'm sure there's a shop out there for you. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I'm sure there is. Yeah. Having the empathy. (laughs) I mean, it's tough too. I mean, you think about it hindsight and you're just like, I don't need to deal with that. Like that's not, but obviously in the day-to-day operation, that's, you have to, you're not going to get away yeah. from it. You're going to have people that are upset and then you second guess your procedures or second guessing the technicians. Uh, you're emotionally discounting it because you've already foresighted this whole situation going south, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds like that was kind of like the mindset, right? I mean, and I, we do the same thing, situation like that. Oh, that, that is kind of an easy thing for us to address. You know, if, if we do charge them 225 or 250, I could see how that's going to go south. So you're trying to set up all these roadblocks to try to avoid that situation. And then it happens anyway. And you're like, yeah. and then, and then you can't help but feel a little bit emotional about it as well. Like, look, we did not only fix the car, but I already tried to get in front of this <laughs> situation. Yeah, right. <laughs> like this job <laughs> like- should have, this job should have costed you 250 to $300. That's what the price should have been. And I already discounted it and we took care of it. And yeah. now you're still coming out. And we fixed out. the problem. Yeah. <laughs> the problem's fixed. She's taken care of and it was for a discounted price yeah. for no reason. Like you're not a, you don't come in here and spend a hundred thousand dollars a year. There was no reason for me to, to discount that on a business standpoint. I just did it because I have empathy and I'm, I'm yeah. trying to help. And then you still come at me like this and it's like, it's so hard to have all that going on in your mind and still be like, listen, if you'd like to come down, I have no problem with you. You know, like, exactly. <laughs> like, I have well, no I problem found- showing you like, but it's like, but I have no problem coming down. We can talk about this. How do we fix this? What do you need? You know? Well, and having that composure, but on the inside, I was literally having anxiety about it because first of all, I feel like we're failing, even though we're not, we do what was right. Um, we have, cause we have an unhappy customer and a situation where, you know, try, just try to find in the real time that way to communicate. But, um, you know, just, but also being upset with the customer at the same point, because yep. you're insulting the integrity of my technicians. Cause I, at first I said to the customer, Hey, well, I'm going to go interview my technician. And I stopped that. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm not. I said, right. I know I personally 
ordered the part. I know personally that he put it on. And that's when he came up with, oh, I'm going to come down and I want you to show me. Please do. And it wasn't like a please do in any kind of threatening manner. It was that would make my heart feel peaceful because I found on the inside, I was worked up and I was not, I was trying not to, you know, let it show, but you just insulted my shop. Yeah. Like I know we did what was right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And you match, you match that level of heightened, you know, heightened anxiety that he has. You just can't help it. If you have a calm demeanor, they have a calm demeanor. If you come in excited, it's just human nature that you get excited, you know, and, and, and then, yeah, you have all the procedures in place, you know, you guys, you know, you did the right thing, but you're still getting insulted by it. And it's like, oh, like the service advisor position is like, it's so difficult. <laughs> and a lot of technicians look at that and like, all he does is got to, all they do is sit in the office and sell jobs is like, no idea. Like oh the, the intricacies that it takes. And sure, you could take that and be like, you know what, dude, go take a hike. Or, Okay, let me just give you all your money back and and you can be on your way. Both yeah. of those are wrong. Like you can't. Yeah, totally, hundred percent. I'm not, not giving you any money back. Yeah, <laughs> we did what was right. If you don't like the prices, I'm sorry that our pricing structure isn't right for you. But we were fair. We were honest. We were. We had integrity. Like yeah. if price is the option, then just I wish you the best. I'm not going back on that. I'm not going to give your money back for that. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, we there's, did the right thing. There's no refunds. <laughs> but then you've been yeah. asking them, and that's the very first thing I always ask in those situations, and they come in like that. Okay, look, I don't have like we're not going to go back and forth. How do I fix this right now? How much is it going to take? And if it's about money, then it's like okay, now I know where this conversation is going. You're just trying to get money back, right? Yeah. So you're upset because you think it should be a price. Explain to me where you come up with that price, and I'll go down and tell them exactly like down to the brass tax of like what we charge, you know, what the prices it is. But most of the time it isn't like, it's not about financial. It's all, it's, it's about something totally different. You know, yeah. like you said, well, I just feel like my daughter was taken advantage of. I totally understand. Now we're on the same page. Yeah. Now I feel like I'm not upset because you have a legit concern in your, in your mind of why you're being like this. Like this, it's an emotional thing. Okay. Okay. I get it. So let's move forward from here. You, you think your daughter yeah. was taken advantage of? Dude, I'd be upset too. Let's figure this yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and like just being able to just split that. Like, let's, okay, step one, what's the pain point here? What's yeah. it gonna, and, and usually it's like, how much is it going to take? What do you mean how much is it going to take? Well, wh- how much you want back? It's, well, it's not about money. Like, okay, perfect. Now we, now we can start talking because <laughs> yeah. it's about money and you just think we're too expensive and this is not a conversation that we need to have. Like, I wish I could charge less. Yeah, right. <laughs> money. We have the saying in the shop that's, uh, you know, money's expensive. Yeah, it is. But you know, customers ask about price, and most of our clientele. So we're very fortunate. Um, we are um, in a in a town that has about a sixty five hundred house um, senior citizen community um, this close to us, and then we have a lot of um, you know, fam like you know, middle class family in the area, and then some agricultural too. Um, but a lot of times now with the, the brand that we've kind of created, it's not so much about the prices is, is about what they're getting in the experience. Um, but something you said earlier, that emotional discount, that's a term that I just recently heard. <laughs> I hadn't heard that before, but, but not being about only the price. Like if price is the only thing that matters, then, then what do you, what do you expect? What do you, what do you, what can we do for you? How do we still be on the same yeah, team I, or yeah. are we different teams? Yeah. You know, as far as that goes, I've learned with, with, the finances, it just has to be, this is what the price is, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of, a lot of people, when they start owning their own shop or they're running their own operation, um, you just kind of throw a number that sticks and see what it looks like at the end of the month, right? 
And obviously, it's got to be a little more in depth than that. Figure out what it is it takes for you to pay everyone you need to pay, make the money you need to make. That's your price. And that's facts. This is but what it's it so is. expensive here. It's so expensive. Yeah. And then, you know, the technicians, you know, we pay well. Um, but even to get a loop tech at this point, if if we have a loop tech and they have any of their own tools, California law means that they're they're entitled to double minimum wage. Yeah. Well, is a guy that's just now getting into the industry, is he does he bring that much value? You know, what's well, fifteen fifty right now in, in California, so that's thirty one dollars an hour for a loop tech if they have their own tools. And the, you know, so, but just that kind of expense factor and, and, and keeping the lights on and workman's comp and all the stuff that you don't see at yep. the end of the day, a customer doesn't understand that. Well, what if there was no shops to fix your car? Then where would we be? Yeah. But yeah. And just having that and putting that as a fact, this is what the price is. And then that's it. That, that yep. goes into a, in a cover that's lock and key. This is what the price is. When it gets blurred into the emotional side of it, that's what that emotional discounting comes in, right? Because you're just like, I feel like the the only way to make this client happy is to lower the price down and and put that price like it's coming out of my pocketbook. It's like, no, no, no. Like if I go to a shop, it doesn't like whatever their price is, is their price. If I go to a retail store, if I go to like, I'm not just, I don't go to Home Depot and be like, hey, so I saw online, it's this much. Like, no, it's the convenience that it's there on the shelf for me right now, right? And then people to help usually if, if you need it, right? So just adding services and making your, product have more quality and being nice about it and happy about it and like is there anything else i can do for you oh you can lower the price well that's not gonna happen is there anything else i can do for you right like charge you double give you half off (laughs) yeah like whatever you yeah exactly and just having a good attitude about it but it's like having that price just be lock and key that's what it is that's like that's just that this is what we have to charge so i can show up tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and and then and then be smile and be smiling and be happy with you coming in here, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, I think where that term emotional discounting comes in. Cause that's like the Trump card, right? Like we're all happy when we get a discount. Right. So it's like, you use that as like, as if, well, I can lower the price. That'll make them happy. It was like, figure out a way to make them happy without lowering the price. Cause that's locked away. We can't, we can't move that price. Sorry, but it is what it is. <laughs> One of the hardest things that I had a, <clears throat> a hard time with when I first got into service advising versus the parts world. And then previous to the parts world, being a do-it-yourselfer. I mean, I grew up in the garage working with cars with my dad, like, you know, um, building old Chevys and such. But <clears throat> but the value of, you know, when I was a parts person, seeing the cost of parts and then becoming a service advisor at that time and understanding why are these parts so expensive? Why are we charging so much for these parts? It was a total brain melt for me. And it was such a hard pill for me to swallow. And this was, you know, 12 years ago <clears throat> that, you know, and it didn't make any sense to me until one day the owner walked in and he, he shared the profit and loss statement with me. Yeah, and just being a baby service advisor, being able to see that and understand and build value and why we mark up parts, the warranty and all that stuff. That I'm still getting over the emotional discount part of it. You know, I'm, I can admit that it's rough because you want to make everyone feel good. But at the same point, we want to keep the lights on too. Yeah. I mean, it's, you never stop doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we'll ever stop doing it, but, but it's amazing where it's rooted from, you know, and, and, and trying to divide that in your mind and realize like I can, my time is worth money, right? Like yeah. your time is worth money. And having more value built into those pricing and being able to say, Hey, look, if there's any problem, you can call me like, and just figuring out more creative ways to add more value to that price versus just saying, Oh, you know what? I'm not good enough. And I'm going to lower my price for you. Yeah. Like, uh, 
Yeah. That, Price versus problem. value is huge. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, definitely. I, I try very hard to build the value and uh, less and less of the emotional dis- discounting. Yeah. We so. keep trying every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this so, has uh, been fun. I appreciate you yeah. taking some time. I know we had a little bit of technical difficulties. Oh, but God, did we? <laughs> hey, half the battle was getting here, and the other half the battle was evicting <laughs> the two-and-a-half-year-old and the seven-year-old from the house while we did this, <laughs> trying to set this up with him here. That little baby wanted to touch every single little knob, button, the light. <laughs> Twist all this stuff. Don't touch that. Don't, <laughs> Don't touch it. <laughs> so, well, thank you for having me on. I mean, um, and thank you for being patient through all the technical difficulties. Oh, I of course. It's, I mean, so, Patience is everything, right? Awesome. Well, you know what? I hope you have a wonderful Saturday. Or is it Sunday now? It's Sunday now. It's Sunday now. Whatever day <laughs> it is. Back to work tomorrow. Enough. Yeah. Hi ho, hi ho. Well, this has been great. I'll have to uh the next time around I'll get the wife on here and we'll Sounds good. Yeah. I'm I, I'm excited. <laughs> All right, thank you. Bye.